You're listening to Ideal Practice, episode number 47. Would it be better for you to develop a niche in your practice? Hmm, this is a concept that I have fought against (laughs) and struggled with for a long time. But you know what? These days, I'm kind of thinking about it in a whole new way. And I thought it might be interesting to share some of that new kind of thinking with you. So let's take a closer look. Let's talk about the pros and cons of a niche practice. Is this an idea for you? I don't know. But maybe our conversation today will help you figure that out for yourself. So stay tuned. I'm Wendy Pitts-Reeves, and with over two decades of experience in the private practice world, I've built my six-figure business while learning a lot of lessons the hard way. This is the first podcast that shows you how to apply the principles of energy, alignment, and strategy to build a practice that is profit-centered, but people-forward. This is the Ideal Practice Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome back. This is Wendy. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Ideal Practice Podcast. How are you guys doing today? What are you up to? I got to tell you about, have I told you about this new thing that I've been working on that has nothing to do with running a business? Yeah, so my delightful other half gave us both violin lessons for Christmas. And to put this into context, I have a little bit of a music background. I played in the band growing up. I play a little guitar. I play a little piano. And when I say little, I mean little, like really little. Like I can do John Denver around a campfire. That's about what I do. I can read music, but I don't know squat about a violin, a fiddle. That's what we call it where I live. Yeah. And I'll have to say that even though I love classical music, the violin section of a symphony has never actually been, you know, my favorite part of the symphony. But when it comes to folk music or fiddle music, ah, there's nothing like it. And of course, I love the fun stuff like an Irish jig. That's always fun. You may not feel that way, but I do. Um, I live near the mountains, y'all. Bluegrass has been a part of my life forever, so I love that kind of stuff. But it's, I also love the sort of haunting melodies that you can do with a violin, a single violin in a sort of rustic, sort of folk kind of setting. And so I've always kind of wanted to learn it, but golly, I know nothing about it. And I want you to know I have just had my sixth or seventh lesson. And oh my Lord, the highs, the lows. the joys, the blows. (laughs) It's been challenging. It's like having a fifth grader in the house all over again, only this time it's me. It's kind of painful. If you have any kind of an ear at all, and you know what something's supposed to sound like, which I do, it's just painful. But I will say this, I am genuinely enjoying the opportunity of focusing on one instrument that's completely new to me and learning how to get it right from the very beginning and kind of going through the heartache and the hassle of 
squeaking it out and learning how to put my fingers on there in the right way and how to hold that bow in the right way and how to hit the right string and not two or three strings that are the wrong strings. I'm actually enjoying that. I'm actually enjoying the focus of learning one thing and learning one thing well. It's been a long time since I've done that, honestly. And uh, it occurred to me, that's kind of like a little niche, isn't it? Yeah, I play a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but I am developing, if I could say so, a niche. Yeah, it'll be a long time before before I'm going to play anything in front of anybody. But it occurred to me, this is kind of what it means when you develop a niche practice. You choose one thing to focus on and focus on pretty completely so that you do one thing really well. Now, I have often been advised by various mentors in my life to consider developing a niche whether it was in my work as a speaker, in my work as a business coach, or in my work as a psychotherapist. There are lots of ways to develop a specialization in each of those areas, of course. And I've resisted that. So you, when you think about a niche, it can be a lot of things. It could be something, for example, like a physical therapist who specializes in helping women athletes, specifically who have knee and ankle injuries. That's a very specific niche. The smaller, the better. It could be a yoga teacher who works specifically, whose whole world is about middle schoolers who have ADHD. And God bless her or him, whoever that might be, (laughs) if there's anyone out there like that. It might be a psychotherapist, a counselor who's known for their work with trans couples. It can be that you are choosing to work with a specific population, a certain like like the middle school kids uh, with a, or with a particular problem like ADHD or a blend of the two, right? That's essentially what a niche is. It's when you really focus your service in a particular way for a particular group of people um, in a, in a, and, and the more particular, the more specific you are, the better. That's what a niche is. Now, I have really resisted that. I'm full disclosure, I'll own it. People have been trying to get me to do that for a long time. And I just didn't want to. As a therapist, for example, I did a lot of work with addictions. I'm really good at that. I have a ton of experience with it. And I could easily have made that a sole focus. But I didn't want to narrow my work that way. There was a time when I was the go-to person around here for working with adolescents. And I, I love a good grumpy teenager. But that doesn't mean I wanted a, sole, a full practice of nothing but, right? And to be honest, I think my big fear was that if I just did one thing, I would get bored. Same thing happened. I took that same kind of attitude when I started coaching. When I began to coach um, from a business perspective, in the beginning, I basically said I worked with any small business or small businesses who who were like heart-centered, heart-centered small businesses. Well, that's a big world. And so I worked with everything from artists to attorneys, from event planners to um, financial consultants and financial coaches, like all different kinds of businesses. I told you in a, in a previous episode, do you remember I told you about working with a chemist from Russia who lived in Ireland? <laughs> like, so I've worked with all kinds of different businesses. And 
it was fine. I did fine. I guarantee you, if you went and talked to those folks, they would tell you that the work was useful, helpful, productive. They got somewhere. Like I, I know that I was able to help them. I worked with an artist that when I first started working with him, he was earning, he was gross revenue somewhere around five to 600K. And by the time we got finished working together, a little over a year later, he was looking at selling his business for over a million dollars. He was looking at, I think he was thinking like 1.2, something like that million. So I can help anybody who's in a business. That's true. I can. But a lot of folks were telling me I should focus. I should niche. I should specialize. So I gradually over time have changed my mind about this. And I want to own that. And I want to tell you how this thinking has evolved in my mind. To be honest, what's really got me thinking about this is that there are two practices in Knoxville, which is the largest city close to me, that have a very distinct specialty that has caught my eye. One of them focuses on couples and nothing else. The other one is a practice devoted specifically to working with men and nothing else. And since those two practices have become more well-known and well-respected, I have found myself quite easily and quickly just referring to them. Somebody needs some couples work. I don't sit and think, okay, which client, what therapist do I know who are working with couples? And where are they? And what's their payment options? And are they taking new people? I don't even go through any of that in my head. I just go, oh, here's a place. Start there. Same thing with the guys. Oh, here's a place. Start there. As a referring person, as a referring partner, it has made it so much easier for me to just, without even thinking, know where to send people, or at least where to start when they're looking for something. That's got my attention, because I've noticed how quickly and easily I go there. In fact, just the other day, I was talking to another therapist who was in a solo practice who was also really good in one of those areas. And I said, I need to remember you because <laughs> that person, too, was somebody I'd like to refer to. But it is so easy for me to refer to the one that is known for that specific thing. Well, when I think about it as a business coach myself, I have made this shift. I was working with pretty much any kind of small business. And a couple of years ago, I thought, why am I doing this to myself? Because the truth is, I can help all kinds of folks. But when I talk to you guys, when I talk to healing arts professionals, when I talk to therapists, energy healers, yoga teachers, midwives, we speak the same language. I get you. I get you in a way that I can't even begin to explain because I am one of you. And so reluctantly at first... Um, With some coaching, I began to hone in on you, on healers. Well, let me tell you now, a few years into that, I am not sorry I have made that switch because it's easier (laughs) for one thing. So I kind of had that on the coaching side, but here was an aha I had recently. Even as a therapist, and y'all, I have been a therapist since the late 80s, and There's not much that's out there that I haven't got some experience with. And I'm fine with most of it. I have, for a long time, I have kind of joked that it's easier for me to say what I don't work with than what I do. And there are some things. I mean, I don't work with anything and everybody at this point, not even close. But I still sort of thought of myself as a generalist who mostly worked with adults and who mostly worked with, you know, kind of standard mental health issues until just a few months ago. I found myself talking to a new client 
that I absolutely thoroughly enjoyed, thoroughly enjoyed, loved our conversation, understood what she was coming for, knew how to help her, could not wait to work with her. And to have that feeling when you've been in the field as long as I have, that is worth noting. When you get excited and you're all lit up and it is really like you feel joy about working with somebody, that tells you something. So all of that, my awareness of the impact of these two specialized practices in Knoxville, plus my own experience as I narrowed the focus of my coaching, and that even, even at this stage of the game in my work as a therapist to realize, ah, I love working with people like this. That has led me to a new conclusion, which is that developing a niche practice is not only not boring, it is a brilliant business idea. Developing a niche practice is a brilliant, freaking brilliant business idea. Why it's taken me so long to say this, I don't know, but it has. Let's talk about why. First of all, the marketing is so much easier. As I made the transition from working with any kind of small business to working specifically with healers, suddenly it was so much easier to find language to use that was resonant, that was authentic, that came from a deeper place in me. That's what it feels like on my side. I know what to say. I know how to say it. I know what you're thinking. (laughs) At least I think I do. I don't mean to sound arrogant, but you know what I mean. And as a consumer, as a referral source, as a potential client, as somebody out here in the public watching you, when you speak to a specific niche, you are so much easier to find for the rest of us. I just had this flash. So for many, many years, I ran a women's leadership conference. It was an event that we held here in East Tennessee every year, did that 10 or 11 years. That was all about promoting women as leaders and trying to sort of raise the standard of living, really, for women in East Tennessee. And I chaired that. I ran that for a long time. And on the day of the event, we would have, I don't know, 250, 285 people in the room. And for those of you who haven't met me, I am somewhat vertically challenged. Let's just say I don't stand out in a crowd. I'm hard to find in a crowd. So I would often wear bright colors so that people could find me. I was just telling someone this the other day. I knew people would be looking for me all day and I would wear bright colors. When you have a niche practice and you are very specific about who you serve and it's somebody or or around an issue or something that you just, it really clicks for you, it makes it so much easier for the rest of us to find you. You're like a tall person in the crowd or somebody wearing bright colors. I can see you stand out. I don't even have to think about where to send people because I know about you. and I'm like, oh, I know exactly who to go to. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? You have this in your own community. There are certain specialized businesses that you prefer shopping at or working with. A favorite tire company, a favorite mechanic, a favorite clothing store, because they specialize in exactly what you most love, right? That's the first thing that having a niche does for you. It makes your marketing so much simpler. Your messaging will be tighter, cleaner, more focused. You won't waste energy or ad dollars speaking to 
a broader audience where you're just one of a thousand people saying the same thing, it may, it automatically helps you to stand out. And over time, as you get known for your niche, you will actually, you'll need less and less marketing because you kind of get known for it. So that's the first thing. It really does help that. The second thing, to be honest, is that your profits are going to be higher. Why? Because people are willing to pay more for a specialist. People will find ways to invest in their own well-being, in their own advancement, in their own development, when they know that they are in the hands of an expert who knows what they're doing. So for example, if I needed a physical therapist for, let's say, back pain, because I spend too much time sitting in front of this computer, (laughs) if I could find someone who offered movement expertise that also came with a little bit of a woo factor, someone who paid attention to the energy that I might bring to the table, and someone who understood women my age, and all the unique physiological factors that might be at play, that person is going to stand out to me in a way that others will not. I'm much more likely to be drawn to that person, and I'm more likely to be willing to pay more for those services, because it fits exactly what I'm looking for. Does that make sense? And guys, if you want to develop a full, healthy self-pay practice, this is absolutely the way to go because you will find that it's easier for you to reach your ideal clients and they are more happy to pay you what you deserve because you are an expert in that one thing. I know a psychologist, a dear friend of mine who still runs an insurance-based practice, but she is in so much demand that she has not taken a new client now in like two or three years, really. She She is really, really phenomenal at her work. If she wanted to leave the insurance side of things and go to a full self-pay practice, I bet you she could charge at least 30 to 50% more than she is now and maybe double it and people would pay for it. She's had people who have driven as much as two hours each way to be able to bring their children to her because she's that good. And she essentially has a niche practice, even though she doesn't think of it that way. And she could make really good money if she was willing to do this. So so developing a niche helps your marketing. You're going to make more money. And here is an unintended benefit, like an unexpected benefit that I just don't think anybody ever says. When we talk about a niche practice, everyone comes at it from the point of view of strategy. It's just smart. It's just good business. And I, I kind of get that. I get it more than I ever have, honestly. But here's the unexpected benefit that's so beautiful about this. When you have a niche practice that you develop, not because it's just smart or, or it's just a good business move, but because you love it, the work is richer. It's more fulfilling. You get to really dive into something that you are passionate about, which means that you're going to be extra good at it and you're going to have more fun. (laughs) You're going to have more fun. You're going to do more good work. You're going to have a deeper impact with people. Like all the way around, it's going to, you will, you will show up to your office going, I can't believe I get to do this and get paid for it. That's kind of how I feel when I'm working with my clients on the coaching side and the counseling side. I'm telling you, just last, well, not last week, it was earlier this week, 
I was doing a coaching call with a client of mine uh, in North Carolina, and I got a little tearful because I've seen her make so many great strides in her practice in a really powerful, deeply personal way that I just, I would, I, I told her I cry when I'm proud. <laughs> And I know how hard she has worked to get to where she's at right now. And I know how it has challenged her to grow internally as well as externally. And I was just really, really freaking proud of her. That's what it's like when you have a niche practice working with people that you adore, doing work that matters to you. It's just so much better all the way around. Easier marketing, more money, deeper impact, more fun. Ah, What's not to love? So how do you know if you're interested in doing this? How do you know what your niche is? Well, the first thing I want to speak to that, I want to say it's not about what your niche, quote, should be, unquote. You may be good at lots of things. That doesn't mean you need to do those things. So even I'll take this psychologist I was talking about a minute ago who's so good with kids. If she was someone who at this stage in her career was kind of tired of working with kids, had kind of had enough of sitting on the floor, (laughs) like really wasn't so much into that anymore, had loved it for a long time, but was kind of past that. It would make no sense at all for her to try to focus on working with kids. It doesn't, just the fact that she's brilliant is not enough. So what I would ask you to pay attention to is when are you working with a client where you find yourself feeling the most alive. When do you get, when are your spidey senses? (laughs) When do they start to tingle? When do you get goosebumps? When do you find yourself feeling like, like you want to lean forward in your chair? If you sit in a chair, if you do something when you're on your feet or you're moving around the room, whatever, when do you feel electrified by the work? Pay attention to that. Who are the people that you work with that you go home at the end of the day and it takes everything you've got not to tell your spouse about them because it was just so good. Pay attention to that. Who are the people that when you're in the room with them, the time passes so fast you can't believe the session is over already. Pay attention to that. Look for patterns. Notice themes. If you have that experience with not just one person, but two or three, what do they have in common? But honestly, if you only have it with one person, I still want you to pay attention to that because that is telling your soul something. Your entire being, your body, your heart, your spirit is all lining up with whatever that is. And whatever that is, I invite you to dig deeper. What is it here that has me so excited? What do I love about this? So the big aha that I had um, just a few months ago when I had this one particular woman sitting in my office was that I love working with women leaders. They don't always see themselves as that, but they are. Sometimes they are leaders in the external sense, the way the world sees that they have that kind of a role in their job. Sometimes that's the role they play in their family. Sometimes it's the role they instinctively take on in their community. Sometimes they're really grounded and aware. Sometimes they're not at all aware. 
but they are at their core, the kind of people who are ready, willing, and able to step up and take charge. Because I personally believe the world needs more women like that. And so really kind of in everything I do, that's kind of what I'm drawn to. All right. And so I am beginning to consciously work in that direction in terms of my own practice. So what is that for you? What is that for you? Because once you find that, you will be awake and alive and your practice will thrive. That's what a niche will do for you. So here's the key takeaway from today. Here's the point about all of this. Honestly, it's hard to do private pay as a generalist. So that alone is a good reason to have a niche. But don't do this, as I said, just because it makes good sense from a business standpoint, because that isn't enough. You guys don't work that way. You are not ruled by your head. You are ruled by your heart. Allow yourself to do the kind of work that will be fun and meaningful for you. And then you will have, without really even hardly trying, (laughs) a practice that is profit-centered, it's financially sound, and people forward. You are very clear about what you're doing and why, and your people matter. Get it? Yeah, I hope so. That's what I've got for you today. Shoot me a DM or an email and let me know, are you thinking about developing a niche? And if so, what is it? I'd love to hear. Talk to me. And with that, have a great week and I will see you next time here on the Ideal Practice Podcast. Bye for now. Hey guys, real quick, before you take off, how are you doing in your practice? Could you use a little bit of a cash infusion or are you just feeling a little bit stale? Whatever it is, I've got a solution for you. If you're looking for creative ways to add to your income, I want you to check out the fun, free little ebook that I put together for you. It's called, get this, 31 Practical Ways to Increase Cash Flow in Your Private Practice Without Becoming Salesy or Sleazy or Someone You Don't Even Like. In this little ebook, you will find 31 ways that I have done this in my own practice. Now, some of them are things that you have to clean up. Sometimes it's about plugging in the leaks and stopping losing money. Sometimes it's about stepping into a whole new way of offering your services or packaging your services. Every single thing you'll read in this little book is something that I have used successfully in my own practice. And there might be something in there. In fact, I know there's something in there you could actually implement as soon as tonight. Easy peasy. And then there are other things that you're going to have to work on and prepare for that take some time. I can guarantee you, you're going to see a couple of things that are just right for you. And you can get your free copy over at wendypittsreeves.com forward slash cash flow. wendypittsreeves.com forward slash cash flow. Download your free copy. Pick out one or two that you want to try right off the bat. And let me know which one they are. And I will support your success and cheer for you along the way. Have a great week, everybody. And I will see you next time. Bye now.